Welcome to CMO Insights, the podcast series. I'm your host, Jeff Pedowitz, President and CEO of the Pedowitz Group. Today, as our guest, we have Nikhil Bell, who is Chief Marketing Officer for PICO. Nikhil, welcome to the program. Jeff, thank you so much for having me. I'm really looking forward to this. So FICO is a very well-known brand, but I'm not sure that everyone knows about all the various things that that FICO does and the partnerships that you've started. Maybe we could just briefly catch us up. Sure. Uh, Thanks for the opportunity uh, to cover that, uh, Jeff. You know, uh, we are uh, an iconic brand in many ways. And, you know, most people know about the FICO score and it is uh, the leading uh, credit decisioning score, uh, at least in the U.S. and in over 40 countries uh, around the world. But similar to our our scores business, we have a, a an equally successful and and similarly sized analytic software business that really enables enterprises to make better decisions and operationalize those decisions to drive uh, better outcomes. We call it applied intelligence. Uh, it's really uh, uh, taking your data applying advanced analytics to that data to derive insights and then operationalizing those insights uh, through decisions to drive outcomes um, and transformed entire uh, industries uh, in, with this approach. Uh, most people don't even realize it, but they interact with a FICO-powered solution almost on a daily basis. Uh, if you used your credit card today, uh, you were protected by a, a FICO solution. Uh, if you uh, uh, you know opened a bank account recently or any type of credit product uh, in the U.S., uh, your financial institution more than likely uh, used a, a FICO solution uh, in order to power that as well. So, you know, we've been very fortunate uh, to be in this business for a long time and uh, to bring uh, advanced analytics and artificial intelligence and machine learning to operationalized uh, uh, results to drive uh, beneficial outcomes for our customers for decades at this point. That's fantastic. And so you've been there now for about 10 years as a CMO, and you've had really a, a front row seat into how much digital's impacted and changed the role of the CMO. Mm-hmm. Um, but you mm-hmm. did just mention everything that you're doing with AI and analytics, and I understand how that definitely impacts your product strategy, but maybe you could share how you're applying it to your your go-to-market. Sure. Let me give you maybe just a wee bit of, of background to this. Um, you know, prior to coming into uh, FICO as CMO, um, I was general manager or CEO of a number of uh, different businesses over the course of the last few decades before that. And um, I think I come to this role uh, with a slightly different perspective than maybe a lot of other uh, CMOs, not having grown up necessarily in the CMO chair. I tend to think of our business in a much more of a holistic and sort of general manager approach. And my objectives are really uh, to uh, help uh, our broader organization uh, deliver on its its broad-based uh, results, um, whether that's you know revenue, uh, profitability, customer satisfaction, long-term retention rates, you know, and so forth. Um, and and that's really my first perspective. My first perspective always is, hey, how are we going to be driving our business forward? And I think of our, my role then in 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 really three different ways. Uh, it's really about amplifying our brand, amplifying our message, amplifying our value proposition into the marketplace. It's about activating our organization uh, holistically, as well as any partners that we work with, to enable them to, in essence, in essence uh, you know, uh, accomplish what their objectives are. And the third one is to really accelerate our path to uh, results. Um, so it's it's about you know uh, it's about amplifying, it's about activating, and it's about accelerating. Those are the three things that I think about. 
Now, every one of those things in today's world is data dependent, and you can apply intelligence to that data to derive outcomes. You know, whether that is, uh, you know, who we actually target uh, using uh, data uh, to inform uh, what that actually looks like and deriving intelligence from that data to do that. So, for example, we used to target a very specific persona type and the incoming uh, intelligence uh, started to tell us, hey, you're starting to see a much more a varied sense of, of folks that are coming to our websites, for example, or that are engaging with us through our different touch points. And using that, that um, you know, we came to the realization that there are five persona types that we actually need to target, no longer a single persona type. So, for example, we used to look at the chief risk officer in a financial institution, and you know we no longer do that. We now look at the chief risk officer, we look at the chief uh, uh, um, analytic officer or the analytic functions, we look at the IT functions, we look at a business lead, and we look at digital transformation. And so it's really uh, broadened significantly, but that happened because we looked at the the early signals coming from our digital channels and using those signals to start to you know change how we were focused on somebody, all the way from that to you know how we target them, where we target them, um, being hyper sophisticated using intelligence that we have access to, and monitoring the response rates from that to continue to hone it. So uh, you know if you look at our return on investment. Uh, for every dollar invested, how many dollars we derive in in revenue, it's gone up exponentially over the course of the last decade because of of you know using intelligence and data in in getting a lot better in who we target, how we target, you know what messages uh, we target them with, how are we honing those messages using that information that's coming back to us uh, and continuing that process. All that said, Jeff. I, I don't want us to sort of leave this conversation thinking, hey, digital is the only way to go, because I believe that, uh, you know, digital is a, a good force multiplier, but there's uh, nothing that really surpasses old school face-to-face -face building relationships with people uh, and maintaining those relationships in an effective and authentic way. Digital is an enabler, it's a force multiplier, but it doesn't replace that. That's absolutely the truth. So you, you talk a lot about using data. And, and I think if you ask any CMO, they want to be data-driven executive. But the reality is it, it's quite challenging for many because of all the silos uh, of systems. And um, what do you? what's your advice? Since you're in this field, you use it internally, your company is all about the data. What could an everyday CMO do to get a better handle so they can make data-driven decisions? Yeah, having been in this role for uh, a decent period of time, certainly longer than I thought I would, and more you're definitely than bringing up the average. I think uh, recent report <laughs> came out and said it's below four years now. So thank you. <laughs> uh, um, it, you know, I have had the luxury of uh, thinking about our business and investing in our business, um, not from a short-term perspective, but you know, having a slightly longer horizon in mind. And we've been able to make investments as a consequence that enable us to derive value from it over a period of time. And so, you know, part of that is just thinking about systems, right? How and and thinking about this from a systems view, and looking at you know how these things are built on top of each other with inherent uh, connectivity built into them. Uh, in many cases, we've actually built solutions that are off the same platform uh, in many ways um, or utilizing open source uh, uh, platforms out there um, that then connect up with with each other so uh, so that you know we're not 
band-aiding these things together later uh, that our objective right off the front, uh, you know, right off the bat came from that. And, and a lot of that comes from, you know, starting to really lay out where do I want to be? What do I want uh, the outcomes to look like? And then working backwards from there, thinking about what do we need to put in place in order to derive uh, or to deliver on those outcomes? So I'll give you an example. You know, a lot of folks go out and, and purchase CMSs. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Um, as long as your CMS is, uh, is uh, uh, tightly integrated into your deployment engines, right? So, you know, we use... Um, uh, an open source uh, engine that drives our website and a lot of our digital channels. Our CMS is built on the same platform. And so it's very deeply integrated into that. And we, we have the ability to then publish directly uh, from there into our uh, customer facing assets. And you know, today, one of the things we're doing is we're creating hyper-personalized microsites, or I, I wouldn't even call it a microsite. Actually, we're taking our website and we're personalizing those websites for uh, you know, each of our enterprise customers. Um, that would be very expensive to do if you were coding that by hand every single time. Sure, right. um, it, you know, Our objective right off the bat was, hey, we want to do that. We want to get to that. So how do we build our systems uh, that enables us to do that in a hyper-personalized experience, but in a scalable and uh, efficient uh, and cost-effective way? And by having a CMS that's tightly integrated into that and our organizations working in the same toolkit, it, it really enables us to do, that, uh, uh, do this and, and do it well uh, and do it in a sustainable way. So, you know, it, it doesn't age, it doesn't become expensive by throwing bodies at it to, to fix. Uh, you know, we have the ability to, uh, uh, to keep it uh, updated and maintained and fresh and, and deliver real value uh, to the end customer, um, you know, versus a good idea that seems like a great idea and then you do it and then you're like, uh-oh, uh, supporting this was, was a lot harder than I thought. So you talked about CMS and the website and personalizing the experience there. Shifting over into analytics and decision support, what kind of tools do you use for next best action and, and doing advanced analytics? We're very fortunate that uh, um, we're an analytics software company and our primary product that we take to market uh, from a software perspective is FICO Platform. Um, we believe FICO Platform is the best platform in the planet on the planet. Uh, that allows organizations to take data, and it could be any form of data, address data, streaming data, you know, data from different sources, internal data, external data, blend it all, uh, bring it in. Um, you don't necessarily have to spend your time in uh, building data lakes. Um, we have the ability to actually bring that data in from multiple sources and then leveraging that data really by applying a very sophisticated analytic uh, capabilities to it. And again, you can have your own analytic capabilities. You can use our analytic capabilities. You can have a third party's analytic capabilities, uh, whether that's AI or machine learning or prescriptive analytics or uh, predictive analytics and uh, deriving insights from that. And then importantly, taking those insights and, and operationalizing them into workflows to drive outcomes. That end-to-end -end value chain, there's a lot of people that do data well. There's a lot of people that do analytics well. There's a lot of people that do you know, workflows really well. We don't believe that anybody does uh, all of them as well as we do. And importantly, uh, is able to connect the entire value chain at scale with low latency the way we do. And one of our, our primary value propositions for doing that is actually driving next best action and uh, managing the entire customer lifecycle. And that is one of our value propositions. That is one so of you, the things- you guys are definitely drinking your own champagne then. That's exactly right. So I couldn't help but notice your shirt that you're wearing. So for those of you that are listening, uh, Nikhil's wearing a, a Chelsea Football Club shirt. 
so I think you guys uh, have a sponsorship with the team, yeah? That's right. We've been fortunate to uh, partner closely with Chelsea, uh, especially during the uh, uh, summer tour uh, that just concluded. They played uh, five games in the U.S. across five different uh, cities, um, and it was absolutely fantastic. Unless you're a Ted Lasso fan, you, you know, you're probably not going to be rooting for Chelsea. So uh, what was it? What was the in the data that led you guys to decide to invest in this partnership? You know, Chelsea is a, a renowned brand. Uh, they're um, known around the world. Um, you know, they have almost 500 million followers. Um, they're one of the best of, uh, soccer football teams uh, on the planet. Uh, and, uh, you know, they were coming out to the U.S., uh, their last tour of the U.S. had uh, over 25 million uh, viewers. Um, wow. uh, their, uh, you know, social media engagement uh, across the U.S. was uh, uh, similar, and you know they've only grown since then. So uh, we were really excited to partner with them on a, on a really important topic. You know, on our score side of the house, uh, we've been uh, the um, uh, score of choice uh, in uh, for most major U.S. banks in making lending decisions, uh, whether that's for a credit card or uh, a mortgage or a car loan, uh, you know, et cetera. But what we found, uh, uh, Jeff, is that while we as a company have always been um, hyper-focused on driving financial inclusion and financial independence across the U.S., what we found is that the data shows the thing we really need to focus on is financial literacy. And the reason for it is now, when you look at the research that's been done, the research is showing that, you know, one in five uh, young adults or teenagers uh, lack uh, basic uh, personal finance um, uh, skill sets uh, and knowledge. Uh, almost two thirds of young adults, uh, young adults, you know, lack confidence in their uh, financial uh, understanding. Uh, and uh a number of groups out there are really calling this uh, an epidemic because as uh, you know, these young adults uh, mature, there are some research out there that actually shows that over $400, million, $400 billion worth of uh, impact, negative impact to the economy uh, from you know folks not understanding basic uh, financial, personal finance understanding. So does this uh, partnership then allow you to bridge that gap and get in front of people that otherwise you wouldn't know? That's exactly right. So we've taken the opportunity of this partnership to do something about that and to bring a, a tremendous amount of visibility to this problem. And we want to tackle this problem in many different ways. Um, with Chelsea, very specifically, we partnered with them. We partnered with the U.S. Soccer Foundation. And in every uh, each of the five cities that they went to, we ran two different uh, literacy programs. Uh, one was for young adults, where we brought uh, teenagers, uh, middle schoolers and high schoolers in and actually did some basic fundamentals of personal finance courses uh, uh, for them. So they understood simple things like, you know, what's a checking account? What's a savings account? What's credit? You'll be surprised, Jeff, how few uh, folks actually know that when you charge something in your credit card, you've got to pay it back. You know, basic things like that. Um, and then we, of course, you know, brought in uh, Chelsea players uh, that uh, helped engage that, uh, um, uh, you know, that young adult, that teenager, and got them interested in the topic. And we brought them out to the game. So there was some fun involved in it as well. And in addition to that, we ran a separate uh, set of literacy programs and counseling programs in partnership with national organizations like Operation Hope uh, uh, that uh, provided literacy and education, as well as uh, personal counseling uh, for uh, adults that uh, you know wanted to better their 
a, a credit position or needed to uh, solve a, a problem that they were facing. And uh, some of them were able to come to the games as well. Um, we've been doing this uh, for, a, for a bit now, uh, these, especially the adult programs. We've done it in you know, dozens of cities across the U.S. over the last few years. We want to scale that. Uh, but Jeff, at the end of the day, you know th th that is one one way of solving this problem and bringing uh, visibility to it. The the problem is is we've got to get this into our schools. Um, we've built a curriculum that we would love to donate uh, to school districts and to states and and um, and others so they can bring it into the curriculum. More than half the states do not require personal finance education uh, or personal finance literacy programs in high schools. And we really need to change that. We've got to get financial literacy into high schools uh, to better and deeper uh, the understanding uh, of our, our, our kids, um, to give them the tools, the knowledge, the capabilities uh, to uh, be uh, sophisticated about, uh, uh, to have a basic understanding, forget sophisticated, right? About, hey, what is personal finance? What is investing? How should I be thinking about this? So that they can lead, um, you, you know, uh, empowered and uh, financially independent lives. I love how passionate you are about this topic and, and but it's such an important one too. For those that are listening and or watching, how can how can we get involved? How can we support this? I think, you know, many on diff many different levels. Number one, uh, if you have kids at home, have the conversation with them, you know, help them uh, actually understand that. Uh, it's remarkable, like even for, my, for myself, you know, uh, so much of fi personal finance uh, is, is something that, you know, we're fairly private about, right? And I realized that I was not really doing my kids uh, 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 any uh, benefits by not helping them understand, you know, basic things. Um, so talk to them about, hey, what is a checking account? What's a savings account? Set one up for them. You know, talk to them about what is money? How does money work? Uh, you know, what is credit? How do you pay back credit? Um, or why do you need to pay back credit? Um, we've got a number of tools available on myfico.com uh, that, uh, you know, folks can, can go out and take advantage of. Um, speak to your schools, you know, ask your schools, are they teaching, uh, uh, you know, your children, how can they bring this into those schools um, so that, um, uh, you know, we can uh, help our kids um, with this from a school perspective, building it into the uh, the curriculum, talk to your elected officials, you know, ask them, why is this not part of the school curriculum? What can they do to get this into a, a school curriculum? Um, so many different ways in which, you know, folks can help here. Uh, fantastic. So, so amazing that you and Tygo are doing something so wonderful for our community. And it's easy to see why you've been there for, for 10 years, Nikhil. Thank you again for, Thanks, for being Jeff. on the program. Thanks, Jeff. Really appreciate it. Uh, appreciate the opportunity here and great chatting with you. You got it.